want you to know that the mothership has landed. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, my brother? I want permission to come aboard the mothership. Asking permission to join a sports talk spaceship? Well, we're all a little crazy. The mothership has connected. The mothership, the, the, the mothership. Let's come aboard. And here we are again, a good Monday morning, North America. The mothership has connected. It is a four-hour lonely ride to the sports lunar landscape. Andrew Bogish and who else from the CBS Sports Radio studios in NYC. As always, broadcasting to our affiliates nationwide and north of the border. From this studio to the one down the hall, from Miami to Vegas, Kalamazoo and Waterloo, we are on the air. They listening, D.A. Everything we saying, D.A. Everything. But who who is on the air is the question on this Monday morning post the emotions of Friday's four-hour, which ended really a four-week goodbye to the one and only from here on out named only Sean Morash. It was emotional before 6 a.m. We lingered after 10. There was pizza. There was fudgy the whale cake. There was more Marash family stories. There were no more real emotions. But we had a big Friday. Into the weekend, we come out of the weekend, and you've got me. And that's kind of it. It had had been me and Sean for a while when there's been no DA, but it's just me today. DA, if you're scoring at home, is now on vacation. Uh, These are vacation days to burn for D.A. As far as we know, he still has paternity days to burn as well and vacation days to burn. The fire will rage on and off through now from now through Labor Day. Basically, I've given up trying to track when I'm going to be here. D.A. is going to be here. Pete's going to be here. But for this week, you've got two people in true hard hats this week. Just two people who will be here in these same spots for all five days of this week. Myself and the one and only E.J. Stewart. Pete's working on this show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, air quotes. He's not going to be in studio. He's, quote, again, interviewing people for the Sean job. You read into that what you want. Is he working? Is he not working? That's really for us to decide, not for Pete to tell us. Sounds like half days off to me, but what do I know? But for today, (laughs) Pete's here. We also have a carousel of update anchors this week. It has fallen on Emmanuel Barbari today. There's a Schwartz. There's a Caserta or two this week. Our good friend Pat Boyle's on vacation, a trip that he almost canceled to be here with us this week. So we we are not leaving Boyle out. We are missing Boyle. He would be here in some form or fashion this week if he was free, but uh, Boyle's been working hard hat himself. This show, locally, taking some time off. Good for Patty B. I am sure we will see him uh, in this chair, in these chairs, in that room at some point here before we get to Labor Day and before next Labor Day when I think DA finally picks a new sidekick. That's right. I think Labor Day 2024 is the projected hiring date (laughs) for the new Sean between the normal red tape and our desire to drag things out as long as physically possible. That's right. 13 months sounds like a good time frame to find someone else to be out of shape, slovenly, and half produce a radio show. Right? It's good to have goals. There's one of them. We're going to take our time. 
Uh, we've got to relive some of the moments from Friday's show again. I can't. I hope you didn't miss anything. If you did, everything lives in clips and in full form in the Odyssey app, on YouTube, all the normal places. Go download it. Go listen. Uh, but just a couple of thoughts that still lingered in my head all weekend that made me laugh for the last, whatever this is, 72 hours of you know the, one of the most significant DA shoes in history. And will always be that way as we said goodbye to Shawnee on Friday. Don't forget that Sean's new life begins this afternoon. There is no time off for Sean and company. Their new show debuts this afternoon, 2 Eastern. So, again, leave Jim Rome and Maggie and Pearl off on one radio and then listen to Sean on another and show your support for all of us. Uh, that's how. That's the new norm for your afternoons is two radios on. Listen to whichever one you choose. And we thank you in advance for your efforts. Um, so we'll do that this morning as well. I said from Vegas to Miami in the open because we've got the Raiders and we've got the Dolphins in our sights today as well because Jimmy Garoppolo is theoretically healthy enough now to be a mediocre quarterback for Vegas. And we'll figure out exactly what their season's going to look like with Jimmy G now good to go apparently and Josh Jacobs still very much in limbo. Plus, at least one of us thinks the Miami Dolphins are vastly overrated on the eve of this new NFL season as Pete waves to an audience that cannot see us. I should have mentioned that there is no stream today because it's not only no DA and no more Sean, but Cap pulled a fast one on us late yesterday after I'd already thought of some really good headlines. I was at Fenway over the weekend. It didn't go well, but one of the positives was the bathroom experience at Fenway. So I want to talk about that because it connects to our urinal-slash-stall conversation that almost divided the group like nothing before. And I was going to call it the Boston Pee Party as the headline. I like yeah, that one, that, right? That's very clever. And we got no cap. And then cap goes, nah, I'm not coming in tomorrow. Cap's destroyed. So there's no stream today. Who knows what tomorrow is going to bring? So we've got the we've got the Raiders, we've got the Dolphins, we've got fantasy football as well. Vinny Iyer, Sporting News, will join us in hour number three to get you set for your draft. Is this draft season now? And it's almost August. This seems early to do anything, but I know that the league that I'm in with my college buddies at least turned itself back on. I got that notification the other day. Like your league is live if you want to do something. But it is still very, very early as training camps open around the NFL. Dan Campbell and the Lions are getting going with high expectations. The head coach doesn't like those. And we've got the possibility of another name change for the football team in Washington now that Josh Harris and Magic Johnson and others are officially in charge and not Dan Snyder. We say goodbye to Michael Jordan, the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. That is done We've got to check in on Joel Embiid's wedding from this weekend, who was there and who wasn't there. And, of course, the usual stuff, sound check, stunned to a news, Emmanuel Babari again in the update chair on this Monday morning. We'll begin, though, in the NFL and a story that is not going to go away. The saddest conference call arguably in sports history happened over the weekend between the running backs who simply cannot get paid. That's where we begin. It's your cold open. For the lead. James, the motion man. Shovel. Barkley breaks a tackle. Dives in for two. Wow. Giants take the lead. 21-20 with 106 to play in the fourth. This is my leverage. My leverage is I can say you to the Giants. I can say 
to my teammates and be like, you want me to show you my worth? You want to show you how much how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up. I right. won't play it down. And that's a that's a that's a that's a play I can use. Do I anybody knows me, knows that's not something I want to do. But like it's something that has it something that crossed my mind. It's like I has never to. I never thought I would ever do that, but like now I'm at a point where it's like Jesus, like I, I might have to take it to this level. Second and seven, the direct snap to Barkley, trying to get to the edge. Oh, he sidled through an opening, and Saquon Barkley, great speed. Barkley inside the 40. The big play the Giants have been craving comes from the big playmaker. Obviously, you know, we want him to be there, um, but if he can't, you know, we understand that as well. Um, and I think, you know, that's that not just for me, but that goes for a lot of guys in our locker room. Um, so I just don't want that to be the, uh, to be the narrative of, you know, if he, if he decides not to come, then everybody's not, nobody's going to be mad. Um, you know, we all with him. We all respect him. We all love him. Percent second down and inches gives it to Chubb runs near side, right? He's got the first down 40, 35. He's 30, 25, cut to the middle, 20, 15, 10, five. He's gone. Touchdown. Nick Chubb. Right now it's just talking. You know, there's really nothing we can do. We're kind of, um, we're kind of handcuffed with the situation, but I mean, I felt what I took from it, uh, McCaffrey and Derrick Henry and Saquon all had a lot of good points, but the biggest thing is that we're the only position that our production hurts us the most. You know, if we go out there and run 2,000 yards with so many um, carries, the next year they're going to say, you know, you're probably worn down. That's the biggest thing that I took from it. It's just, I mean, it's tough. You know, we, it hurts us just to go, out, to go out there and do good. It hurts us at, at the end of the day. It's DA's top story. Here he goes. It's your cold open. All right, there you go. That was Kevin Kugler on Fox. Saquon Barkley on the Money Matters podcast, which we played for and discussed last week. Kevin Kugler again, still on Fox. Xavier McKinney of the Giants on the Jim Rome Show. And Jim Donovan via Browns Radio, plus some Nick Chubb in there as well. I guess this was Saturday, right? Going into Sunday where the prime best running backs, some of the guys who have nice fat contracts and the guys that want nice fat contracts got together to discuss their plight. Chubb, Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, all on this call discussing what to do about the topic in the NFL right now, and that is how much do you pay, when do you pay, how long do you pay top running backs in this game? And this circles around Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, who are still sitting on the franchise tag tender. There seems to be more anger in Vegas between Jacobs and the Raiders, at least from Jacobs' perspective, since the Raiders did not exercise their fifth-year option, asking him to be good, and he was very good a year ago. And instead of, you know, quote-unquote rewarding him, the franchise tag tender comes and really no substantial extension talks. And now we've got Jacobs certainly flirting with and threatening to miss training camp and maybe even into the regular season. Where we sit here on the Eastern Seaboard with the Giants and Saquon Barkley, I know Saquon cursed a bunch in that clip that you played, but those were kind of hypothetical uh, F-bombs. Those were not truly deeply angry curses from Saquon. He's obviously frustrated. He may feel disrespected, but I think Saquon shows up at some point realizing there's no point in missing games. He'll miss training camp. He'll eat fines that he's got to eat, whatever that may be. And eventually, unfortunately for him, he's probably going to lose this staring contest with the Giants 
and he'll play for $10.1 million and then hope they or somebody else gives him more money for next season and moving forward. But this is a conversation that everybody's having. and Everybody's got an idea how to fix this, how to get running backs paid. And I've seen talks about next offseason that every running back should say, I'm not going to OTAs. That every running back, every last one should refuse to show up and show the NFL what it would be like to not have a running back for practices and workouts and 7-on-7 and 11-on-11 drills. That seems nearly impossible just from an actual logistics standpoint, getting all of these guys not to show up. That same report from Pro Football Talk suggested creating some kind of incentive fund in conjunction, the union and the NFL, where these guys would get paid for their production once it happens. If they're not going to get paid pre-production, have this extra system of pay that when they run for a ton of yards and score touchdowns and catch passes and gain yards that way, that they get money along the way, which seems like another big ask. CBA negotiations. To me, the only thing that's left for these guys, and their cases are different. I'm glad Tony Pollard has signed his tender and kind of out of this conversation now in Dallas because he's not Saquon Barkley and he's not Josh Jacobs. And I also think that Jacobs is not Barkley where Barkley is not Jacobs. Barkley in particular to me has less to do with this bigger conversation about running back value than the rest of the guys. Saquon Barkley and the Giants is just about negotiating. Obviously, we're factoring in what the Giants think they need to pay a running back, but they want Saquon Barkley. And for everything that we know, they'll tag Barkley again next year, which would bump him up to $12 million. So it seems like the Giants are okay with giving Saquon Barkley $22 million guaranteed over the next two years if that's where they have to go. That's a lot of money, and that's decent money, good money for that position. It's still probably technically undervalued for Saquon, but that's a significant check or two that the Giants seem willing to write. So this is not Dalvin Cook. These are not other guys who teams just didn't want to pay anymore, wanted to take drastic pay cuts. This is just about the Giants and Barkley figuring out the number that works for both of them. And there is certainly some blame on Saquon's side if the reports are true that if he's asking for too much, turning down fair value in this climate, that's on him, not on them. But the bottom line is, I don't know what fixes this unless we get a string of Super Bowl winners that have top-end, first-round, highly-paid running backs at least not leading the way, but being front and center in Super Bowl wins and success. We got here because teams won without them. What's odd to me is how infrequently people, when they point that out, mention that the two teams they keep relying on for the argument are the Patriots and the Chiefs, who had Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. They would have needed better running backs if they didn't have two of the best quarterbacks of all time playing for them and two of the best head coaches of all time leading the way and real other really good players at other positions. But to me, that's the only way this gets fixed. I don't know about fancy accounting. I don't know about position-wide strikes and sit-outs and boycotts. It's going to take one of the... It's going to take Christian McCaffrey having a remarkable run to a Niners Super Bowl or the Giants. And God forbid now, we can't have lunatics yelling into doorbell cameras... 
But the Giants making another one of their magical runs to a Super Bowl because Saquon Barkley was the best player in the field. And then we have teams going in the other direction going, huh, we need one of those guys. To me, that's the only solution here. And I don't know if that ever happens. And then I don't know if this gets fixed in a way that running backs will be happy. I understand their frustration. I understand their plight. It's good that they're talking, trying to figure things out. But I don't know what they could figure out that would fix this other than one of them being the Super Bowl MVP and changing this debate that you can win without one of these guys. Because you look around, every one of these teams that has won recently, I mean, the Chiefs won last year after getting rid of Tyreek Hill. And nobody is pushing back on having Tyreek Hill or a really high-end wide receiver. And I mean, the, the Eagles, one of the biggest reasons for their success a year ago was adding and paying A.J. Brown. And they did that because you need that position. The Chiefs, meanwhile, won it without Tyreek Hill. And we just go about our business where the running backs have taken an app to me too much of a hit for the way certain teams have won games and won conferences and won Super Bowls in the last little bit. You don't need frontline guys in a position that's obvious. But we don't point and go, well, this team won without a high-end safety, or they saved money at middle linebacker, or they cut costs here. There's always a place to cut costs. It doesn't have to be at running back. The Giants, by the way, are paying $14 million to Kenny Galladay to not be a Giant. There are other issues that teams survive, salary cap hits and whatnot. There's always fancy accounting to fix those. And these guys need to be out there. Barkley and Jacobs in particular make their team significantly better. And I completely understand their frustration. And I know that DA and Sean had completely different thoughts on this last week, basically telling both uh, all these guys to just shut up and play, whether it's been Barkley or Jacobs or Austin Eckler that take what you can get and get out there. And in a general point of view, I think in the NFL, guys always need to fight for the last penny because they'll get get it taken away from them the second that the owners and teams see fit. So you've always got to fight. Now the fight sometimes ends and not in your favor. And that's where we're headed with these guys. But I get their frustration. I get the need to try and fix it. I just don't know short of actually changing this storyline. Nothing else to me is going to get it done. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. It's Bogish, it's Bilotti, EJ's here, Emmanuel is here, intern Brooke is here as well. All with you for these next four hours on a Monday morning. When we come back, it is sound check. We're going to clear the air on a couple of things that happened in recent, um, I guess, you know, the, the offseason, so to speak. A little Aaron Rodgers, a little NBA, and then DK Metcalf continues to be one of a con. All of that's coming up next. Sound check right here on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. It's DA Soundcheck. All right, folks, here we go. Soundcheck begins in the NFL. If you remember after the Aaron Rodgers darkness retreat, we were waiting waiting with bated breath for what he might do. Where is he going to go? Is he going to play? And his social media silence was broken by a tweet. I think it was overnight-ish that just said, Sool, S, a couple of U's, and a lot of L's. Nobody knew what that was at first. Then we were told that Rasul Douglas had Aaron Rodgers' phone, in his words, during Darko mode. 
And here's Rasul explaining what happened on the Big Play Slay podcast. A Rod in connection with everything. Yeah. So it was always it was looking like, oh yeah, he he might really got his phone. So like, mind you, you know me and A Rod, we talk a lot. Like I, yeah. I always try to pick his brain. So he was just having a conversation, and then I, I was like, man, I'm like, damn, you like what you gonna do for next season? And I guess it's before he told anybody. He he just gave me the rundown of what he thought, how he was gonna do it. So then I seen someone on Twitter. And I was like, you know what? I'm about to troll. So <laughs> I, te- I text him. I said, yo, look, I'm about to say this, but I'm gonna, I might need you in a little bit for something. He was like, I got you. Don't worry about it. So I was saying I had his phone and all of that. And then like all the fans was like, it's no way you got his phone. It's no way you got his phone. Like if you got his phone, like then say, then say something on A-Rod account that, that you got his phone. Like say Sue something. Like I'm like, I'm like, I right, bet. I take A-Rod, I'm like, yo, say this and tweet it real quick. So they think I got your phone. And he tweeted it. Like, that's A-Rod, though. Like, he's that's A-Rod, though, man. In. So we were just all, in, all having fun with him. So Rasul Douglas, Packers quarterback, I think I flipped the timeline there. He said he had Rodgers' phone. And then he got Rodgers to tweet Sewell to confirm as if that was him tweeting from the Rodgers account because he had Aaron's phone. So Aaron's on the gag the whole time. I know a lot of you are fed up with Rodgers, and for the most large extent, I am too, but thank God they're on hard knocks. It might suck. It might not be as good as I'm expecting it to be, but this is better than anybody else they could have given us, especially, and I'm on board with the idea that the Jets hating that hard knocks is there, being part of the storyline, I'm in on that too. If there's some tension, if there's, and I guess I saw that they're going to cut some of the more negative things. Like We're not going to yeah. see players get released. Exactly. Now, those are oftentimes the quote-unquote best parts of the show. Like, those are that's the real moment. That's the bad part of the business, hard feelings, man-to-man conversations. I don't like seeing, you know, dreams die and jobs lost, but that's part of the what you why you watch that show. So that stuff is going to be missed. But, you know, this tension and then Rodgers trying to fit in. And personally, too, I'll be honest, I'm in, I'm pretty intrigued by Zach Wilson. Not that he deserves or needs sympathy, but there's a good quarterback somewhere in there. And at some point, they're going to need Zach Wilson either to play or to be an asset to acquire something else. If he can ever regain any value, maybe he becomes something that they need via trade. Or again, he's got to play during an injury next season after Rodgers leaves after next season who knows so I want to see what Zach Wilson is why last year was so bad there's a lot to like I think about the Jets on TV in August if you remember I don't know two weeks ago during an update the Pistons re-signed or extended somebody and we I had the note that it was the first time that one of their rookies had gotten a second contract or a rookie extension since Jason Maxiel. And, like, it was Isaiah Stewart. Thank you, EJ Stewart. Um, that it had been forever since the pissed. And the one exception was Andre Drummond, who got to restricted free agency, and then they re-signed him. But a guy who had was under contract, rookie deal, became his first big payday. It just doesn't happen in Detroit between picking the wrong guy, giving up on guys too soon, making bad trades involving these players. And one of those players that they got rid of, who has turned out to be a pretty useful NBA player, is Bruce Brown. 
He's on the Run Your Race podcast talking about why he's a former Piston. So, you know, it was COVID. We didn't go to the bubble. To the bubble. Yes. So we had two weeks, two on, two weeks on, two weeks off in the city that we played in. But it wasn't mandatory. Uh-huh. Right? So it's August, and Troy Weaver comes in, like his new GM or whatever his position is. And it's around my birthday mm-hmm. in August. And I'm like, I've been there every... All the other times, I'm there. Yeah. Right? This one time, I'm like, listen, it's my birthday, like... I'm, I'm going to just stay home for this two weeks, but I'm going to come back right after. So before I tell him this, he, they calling me like, hey, like, you want to get together on dinner, like, go golf or whatever. I'm like, yeah. cool. Like, it's straight. I tell him that I come back after the two weeks. They don't say nothing to me. Sayonara. They say nothing to me. I go to the uh, the training staff. I'm like, I think I'm about to be out of here. <laughs> they not talking to me. They not saying what up. Nothing. Bro, it is crazy. When they know you ain't coming back, everybody Bro. just... Change up, they switch like, up. They're like, nah, like you good, like you not, you not going nowhere. Yeah, I walk in Why? the next day. I'm walking in for my workout. They call, you gone, Brooklyn. I pulled up Bruce Brown's basketball reference page last night to remind myself of what this trade was off the Pistons, and he was in a three-team trade that has I don't know 47 people involved in this trade. It is. I have in front of me again. It's like seven lines long explaining this November 2020 trade that apparently happened because Bruce Brown didn't show up for COVID workouts for one sequence because it was his birthday. Now, the Pistons did get Sadiq Bay in this trade. And Bay's a really good player. Is he not, EJ? Yeah. I mean, they just traded him again. They, right. trade, they trade him, but yeah. he's on the, What team is he on now? Well, he, he's on Atlanta now. Atlanta, okay. So he was at least a useful player in that trade, but... I don't know. I you know this is Bruce Brown's side of the story. I will say this: um, I'm always weary of boss interactions because it makes me nervous about what's happening. Like I'm way <laughs> too anxious and assuming every Friday is going to be our last day. I'm the guy that makes the joke quick when your badge doesn't work right away that oh I got fired they didn't tell me yet. This is why I pulled this clip because I felt like. Of all the industries, we're the ones that probably could relate to this the most. Yeah. I am I am subconsciously keeping track of every boss interaction, trying to gauge whether they're warmer or colder than usual. Is there less eye contact? It's, you know, even now, because this is a weird time. Like, all bets are off. Shawnee's gone. In my twisted, petrified mind, this is the time to change the whole show. Pete makes too much money now. If we're already changing Sean, let's change Pete too. Let's downgrade <laughs> to, you know, Pete's on like the veterans maximum right now. <laughs> you reshuffle Pete into a 24-year-old recent college grad. You can go back to paying minimum wage, basically. <laughs> and now we're saving tons of cash. So, like, all these things are on the table. So, every time the boss walks by and doesn't say good morning, my ears go up. Yeah, this was this was definitely the clip where I was like, oh, man, I think. And even the whole working on your birthday thing. Like, I, I, I kind of related to Bruce Brown in that regard because, like, I've tried to not work on my birthday if I can avoid it. Of course. A lot of people try that. And to see that he, he got sent to another city. Like, imagine if that happened to us. Like, you're just like, you know what? Right. You're going to the Cleveland station now because yeah. you didn't show up to your, to your, your update thoughts on Peoria. Because <laughs> there's a bus outside waiting to take you there. <laughs> like, I last in sound check, we've done... The majesty of DK Metcalf before. This guy is fascinating. This is him 
KG certified? Is this Kevin Garnett KG? Discussing what he eats in a day, and it is not what Sean eats in a day. I'm a candy type person. Oh, what? I eat one meal a day, drink one coffee, and eat like three, four bags of candy. Man, define bags of candy, man. Jelly beans? Nah, see, I'm a gummy, gummy, gummy type of guy. See, you get your lifesavers. Come on, man. Stop, stop, man. Come on, hold on, hold on, man. So you finna go through a structure, a bag of candy. You about to go through the whole. Okay, let's hear this. Let's hear this. So, all right, I'm just taking you through yesterday. So yesterday I woke up, worked out, worked out again, came home, showered. I'm hungry. Run to Starbucks, get a quick coffee. That's gonna hold me to like four, five o'clock. It's 12. That's gonna hold me for like four hours. Dang. Around 4.30. I ordered some candy and a water. So I got, what did I get yesterday? Got the Skittles gummies. Then I got uh, the Lifesaver Creations. They the same size bag, so I just mix them. Get the gummy, get the candy, get the water, eat that. That's gonna hold me to like eight o'clock where I'm having dinner, eight, nine. And then I eat dinner, go to sleep. Where do you want to begin? Uh, The two morning workouts? Well, yeah. I well, work that, out that and I work it again. So what's the required time in between to create a second workout and not just one big workout? Are we changing your like the, the body target? You're doing upper in the morning and then a little break and you're doing lower? It's got to be a different day part to me. Like It's got to be like, okay, you did a, a workout in the morning and then you did a workout in the afternoon. That to me is a second workout. I would argue that location needs to change as well. If you want to go... You know, I go to the field and I'm doing sprints and I'm doing like football stuff on a field. And then I go to the gym like that to me is two workouts. I can see that. With no time in between, I'll give you credit for two workouts there. But if you're just going gym, break, same gym... I still think that's one. That's a workout. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a. You took a break. Yeah, you, you had a workout. You were working out, and you said, "Okay, I need to take a break." And then you went back to going back to to your to your normal routine. Either way, as we've seen, whatever he's doing is working, and somehow he looks like that despite eating like that. So again, he worked out on an empty stomach. It sounds like at noon he has a coffee. Which you know over for four hours, which I agree with, by the way. One cup of coffee, and that actually is like a meal sometimes. Like, I don't need to eat after that. And then at 4.30-ish, he's going water and multiple bags of candy before his one meal at 8. Now, that takes us to a whole different conversation about late-night calories, going to bed after you eat is not a good idea. And if you eat before 8, you got more time to work it off. We know that science there. The earlier you eat, the the bad stuff, the better, because you got more time to get rid of it out of your body, theoretically. But so the candy thing, then the follow up there is I'm with him on being a gummy, chewy candy kind of guy. Chocolate's good on occasion, but if I'm in a yes, this weekend we're in one of those crazy candies where just the bins of stuff and shovels and bags. You pick what you want, you weigh it, and we charge you completely too much for that Ziploc <laughs> bag of candy. And I'm getting gummy bears, Swedish fish, like those peach ring things. I don't need. M&M's and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups from a bin. Well, so what? I'm with him on the chewy kind of gummy candies. And what I will say, too, is he mentioned the Skittles gummies, which I don't know if either of you guys have tried. No. Aren't, is, Sk- aren't Skittles gummy to begin with? No. So Skittles, I mean, they, they, I mean, you, I guess once you chew them, they become more gummy. But they're they're hard. They're hardish candy. There's Skittles gummies, which are kind of new. I first tried them in San Diego last year. They finally came back over to the East Coast, I guess, at some point this year. They are so addicting. Like, I'm not a candy person. 
But like last month, there was a stretch where I think every week I was getting a bag of Skittles gummies. They come in a big bag. It's not one of your little, right. like, you know, Swedish fish boxes. Like they're a pretty big bag. They're definitely supposed to be shared. And I would go through them uh, in a day. Yeah, I see them now. So I've had the Lifesaver gummies, right. which makes sense because they're a completely different texture than Lifesavers. So these, I see these now, and they are all right. Yeah, they're, they're, I'll try they're these. similar. They're similar texture to the Lifesavers gummies, and I love Lifesavers gummies, but they they just they blow it out the water. It is <laughs> it is ridiculous how addicting it is. So when I heard that, I was like, I, I kind of relate to DK in that regard. So this dude has the perfect body, despite eating a meal a day and multiple bags of candy. There are just some humans who are just special, and they don't need to do the extra work needed to be yeah. great. Like Chad Ochocinco famously, you know, eats, eats McDonald's regularly, um, never worked, never, you know, uh, ate you know, proper nutrition. So DK seems to be, like, right in that same category. Last question on this for the group. How fast after DK's done playing does he weigh 300 pounds? I don't think I think he's gonna be good again. Yeah. Like, I mean Ocho. I know I don't like to reference Ocho again, but like I mean he looks great and he still eats terrible. Like I think there there are some people they're, they're like the people who can not study and ace a test. Like there's some humans that just are blessed with fast metabolisms and blessed with not having to have the right eating habits and can still be fit. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's, it's annoying. Trust me. It's no, I know. I could be like that. I you know I I just feel like a lot of these guys too though once they stop being active like pro athletes and they keep eating like that, it goes in the wrong direction very fast. But you're probably right that he's just an f- absolute freak of nature, and it's never going to matter. If anything, he may actually lose weight. Because I feel like most NFL players go one way or the other. Either they gain a lot of weight, or they, especially the offensive linemen, they like become really skinny. Yeah. So I think, if anything, he actually may be a guy who's already, he's already 6'5", 230. He may lose 40 pounds once he finishes playing. Any chance the Seahawks approve of a multiple bag of candy diet habit for this guy? Or they're just every day he walks in with a facility like, dude, could you just have, like, we have a second plate of grilled chicken, please? And I was kind of wondering if he was trying to maybe make a play for a Skittles uh, uh, endorsement. You know, you had you yeah. know, Marshawn Lynch had all the Skittles stuff, and they just throw Skittles onto this field. Maybe they'll throw Skittles gummies <laughs> at, uh, at, uh, at the queue. Does he sell us chocolate milk? Is he one of those drink chocolate milk after workout kind of guys? He's in some kind of commercial. I don't know if it's chocolate milk. I I, I know I know that I know that he's very big into Skittles, but uh, and Taco Bell, I believe, also. All right, um, it's time for updates. So if I'm here, someone else got to be in that chair, and no one ever sits in the chair. I've noticed this. No one ever sits in the chair that I sit in normally, whether it's Caserta, Schwartz, Celo, Emmanuel. Today, everybody comes and sits in this near chair. Just shunning Cap's desires because Cap prefers the camera angle of the other chair. Oh, it's good to you know for the just, future. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter now. You've already made your statements. You guys have said Cap doesn't matter. Yeah, unfortunately. His camera views be damned. Cap doesn't come into the equation. We never uh, thought of him. Stream returns tomorrow, we believe. First things first. Now, here's your update. Here's, here's Emmanuel. Well, Andrew, we're sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. And golf, American Brian Harmon won his first major at the Open Championship. Harmon entered the final round yesterday with a five-stroke lead, closed it out, finished six clear, actually, of his closest competitors, four of them, at 13 under. At 36 years old, Harmon, the oldest first-time major winner since Sergio Garcia from Spain, who won the Masters in 2017 at age 37. 
NFL, several star NFL running backs reportedly held a Zoom call over the weekend to discuss the now depressed market for players at their position. ProFootballTalk.com first reported the news and said the meeting was organized by the Chargers' Austin Eckler, who had been outspoken about NFL running backs not being paid what they're worth. Other running backs who were said to be on the meeting, Nick Chubb of the Browns, Saquon Barkley of the Giants, Derrick Henry of the Titans, Christian McCaffrey of the Niners, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. The running backs exchanged ideas on the Zoom, but no major plans came from the meeting. Baseball, before we get to a busy day of tight games, two new Hall of Famers in baseball yesterday. Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland officially took their place in Cooperstown. McGriff was overlooked in his 10 years on the baseball writer's ballot, but he was unanimously voted in during the winter meetings in December by one of the Hall of Fame's veterans committees. Rowland, on the other hand, was voted in by the baseball writers in his sixth year of eligibility. Okay, now the baseball. Orioles have looked like the best team in baseball, uh, or in the AL East at least, for a while. This weekend, they proved it, took three out of four in Tampa Bay against the Rays. Ryan O'Hearn, the go-ahead homer in the sixth inning, 5-3 the final in the series finale. Standout rookie Gunnar Henderson hit his 16th home run. Guys that don't have playoff experience like myself, it felt like a playoff game, and just really getting that and getting a sense of what it'll feel like is uh, just going to help us down the road. Getting that playoff-like experience. O's now two games clear of the Rays for first place, four up in the loss column after the Rays held first place for about the first 95 games. Battle of first place teams. Braves beat the Brewers 4-2 in dramatic fashion. Ozzy Albies to go ahead three-run homer in the eighth. Phillies a four-run top of the 10th. Beat the Guardians 8-5 in Cleveland. Marlins, Rockies, Luisa Rise, a three-hit day. That's not a surprise because he's hitting 379, but his third hit was bigger. The 1-1 offering. Line drive. Right field. Nobody's home. Arise with his first career walk-off. The Marlins snap. An eight-game losing streak. They're into the win column for the first time in the second half in 2023. Luis Arise, the walk-off hero. Marlins obviously reeling. Arise gets them off the schneid there. The, ba- oh, the bad news is, though, sorry to interrupt, is if you were, like me, hoping for, rooting for a 400 season that's basically off the table now. It's kind of dead. Yeah, I saw a note last week where he didn't hit like 430 the rest of the way to get back right. to 400 because he's on a three, whatever you just said, 370-something. That was fun for a while, and it's still going to be ridiculous. I don't think anyone's ever won the batting title in each league back-to-back years, which right. he's on pace to do. And he still may hit north of 360, which is crazy by itself, but 400 was in play for so long, and now it's basically It dead. shows how hard it is to do because he could go on a heater the next week and be hitting 390. Yeah. But, but still, he has to climb so much. And at this stage of the season, you could go three for four. Your batting average improves like a point. That's the thing. We're so far into the season, the math right. just doesn't favor him anymore. But it does quell the the bad discussion of if he hits 400, does he automatically win the MVP, which he shouldn't. No. Like Ronald Acuna, the season he's having, like yes. some of these other guys, they deserve the MVP. I yeah. think that would have been one of those weird discussions at the end of the year. Yeah. And, Should and he win the MVP? And the number's still going to be ridiculous. And right. their batting is going to be great. But I wanted 400, but that's not happening. So that's courtesy of Kyle Silaf, Marlins Radio. Marlins walked off the Rockies 3-2. Twins trailed the White Sox 3-0. Entering the bottom of the ninth, rallied for three to tie it, including an Alex Kirilov two-out RBI double, knotted it up, and after trading runs in the 10th inning, later in the 12th, 
Ryan Jeffers, a walk-off single. Twins survived the White Sox 5-4. Astros 3, A's 2 in Oakland. Mauricio Dubon, the go-ahead solo shot, top of the ninth inning. In Texas, the Dodgers jumped out to a 4-0 first inning lead. Max Muncy, a grand slam. That's the last time the Dodgers would score. Rangers with 8 unanswered in the first four innings alone. Rangers topped the Dodgers 8-4. Angels 7 Pirates 5, Shohei Otani, his 36th home run, manager Phil Nevin. I don't know if I've seen a ball hit like that, except golf ball maybe, but I, 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 that one was, he said a lot of impressive ones. I, I thought he lined out to center. I really did. So one of the longest balls he's seen hit, but also thought he lined out to center before it rose out of the park. Blue Jays avoided the sweep in Seattle, held off the Mariners 4-3. Reds swept away the Diamondbacks 7-3, the final Cubs 7, Cardinals 2. Been two years since the Nationals swept the series. They down the Giants 6-1. Tigers over the Padres 3-1. Yankees, four-hit day. Anthony Rizzo, including his first homer in two months. 8-5 over the Royals, and the Red Sox beat the Mets 6-1. Emmanuel, thanks so much. When we come back, uh, some fond memories of Friday morning show, time permitting, as per Pete. That's next on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Laughter is the only medicine. (laughs) The DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back to the new week of the DA Show here on CBS Sports Radio. All across the country and all of our affiliates on the CBS Sports app, the Odyssey app, Sirius XM Channel 158. However you're listening, we appreciate it. It's Bogish in for DA. He is off this week. EJ's in charge today. Pete's half in charge today. Emmanuel's got your updates. Intern Brooke in the house as well. You can join us at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Get me on Twitter at Andrew Bogish, at Pete the Body there as well. I wanted to get go back to Friday for a bit, but we've got no time because I was interrupting Emmanuel way too much during his update. So we'll save that for later. But I will point out one tweet that our good friend Eric and Nova sent him. It's day one. Mraz and Danielle already removed from the show opener song. Not sure I feel about that, but it doesn't feel right. Maybe. I know he's with that other radio show now, but no Mraz in the song feels odd. Who made that edit, Pete? I made the edit. Okay. You stand by it? No, yeah, yeah it's been discreet. Uh, and I have talked about it, you know, about, about moving on mm-hmm. to the next phase of things. So. Uh, I, I'm a guy that pulls the Band-Aid off. So I, I did te- a couple temporary opens without Sean. Sean's on the other show. And uh, we move on from there. Along the same lines, what we need to discuss is my apparent lack of emotion on Friday. Some circles have called me serial killer-like for not having any sadness with Sean leaving. Well, uh, when you were laughing when I was shrieking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was funny. We'll get to that, too. I agree with our listeners. Dan Campbell and the Lions, stop telling us we're good. That's next on CBS Sports Radio.